Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm lead advisor and senior analyst with Kupinger Coal. This is a very special edition of this Kupinger Coal podcast because we are live here at the EIC conference in Munich. It's September in 2021, and my guest today is Christopher Schütze. He is also a lead advisor, and he's the director of the practice cybersecurity here at Kupinger Kohl. Hi, Christopher. Good to see you in person. <laughs> Good morning, Matthias. Nice to see you really in person. That's a very special moment right. these days. Exactly. And, and our topic today is um, actually also reflecting the current situation. We are at the EIC, we are halfway through EIC right now, and we want to reflect on what has been going on at EIC, at the I European Identity and Cloud Conference here in Munich, and want, just want to tell you a bit about what happened and make you maybe also a bit interested in re-watching the streams, the videos, the recordings, the panels that we had so that you can dive into these topics afterwards. So really a bit pointing at what's there, not giving a fully comprehensive picture of what's been said, but just to make you want to look at things. So first of all, Christopher, now that we're halfway through, if we go chronologically through the, uh, through the, through the agenda, What was the first interesting thing? I think you can share a very special topic here, of course. Yo, yeah, the first really interesting thing was for sure the uh, one of the opening workshops uh, because I, Mat Martin Kuppinger and Amy Bailey did this. Uh, this was about ransomware resiliency. And uh, that is really an interesting topic. And again, we are in, in such a hybrid format. So we had attendees from online, we had on-site attendees. And this was really a special situation. We did a lot of workshops in the past, um, but always on-site or all only remote. And uh, it worked re really, really well. And it was an interesting topic. Right. And how was the interaction? Was there really a, an evolution of the topic? Did you get to conclusions that the audience could take away, um, that they really had something to benefit from, and that maybe when is this possible to rewatch afterwards as well? Uh, I think there is a recording, and this will be available uh, maybe right now or in a few days. Um, and it was really an interesting session. Uh, again, it, it was about ransomware resiliency, which means um, we started to explain our audience uh, what is going on with uh, ransomware, what is it in general, and does it make sense for you to pay the ransom? So, um, I mean, it's an important question. Uh, I don't know who of you is familiar with ransomware attacks, but at the end, all of your system, your data is encrypted. You're not able to access them anymore. And uh, some blackmailers ask you to pay uh, a ransom about many millions or even more uh, to get access to your data again. And uh, then you need to decide whether you pay the ransom, get access to your data back or not. Or in the best case, and that was our workshop about, you are prepared, uh, you have backups, you have strategies, you have incident response management, you have business continuity management processes for your IT assets, really to improve the level of security here and be able to continue to work and not becoming the victim of ransomware attacks. And uh, we had an interesting poll during the session uh, where we, or <laughs> interesting, uh, frightening poll, where we asked, uh, do you think uh, the, the amount of ransomware attacks will raise in 2022? And we had 100% in yes. 
Okay. And that's a really a clear statement. And this is also a trend or a tendency we see uh, in the market when we talk to our customers in advisory or talk to people here at the conference or at other co of others of our conferences. Okay, so it was really a, a, a practical workshop. It was really something that is focused on daily life, also preventing these ransomware attacks and trying to identify how not to fall victim to such an attack. E exactly. So everything starts from our understanding with knowing what to protect. So <laughs> at the end, this is something Martin mentioned, you need to know your IT assets, you need your, the things you have within your organization and also the shadow IT, the stuff someone in the IT department on, or in some marketing department bought on AWS or Azure and is running something with customer data. This happens. We all know that, but you need to know that. Otherwise, uh, some attackers could gain access and uh, in the worst case, they steal the data, publish it somewhere in the darknet, or uh, they encrypt it and uh, force you to pay some money to get access back. And at the end, we had a very interesting discussion around um, which amount should be paid in a ransom where attack if you pay and uh, the, 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 the outcome was basically um, if the expenses of uh, protecting these assets is higher than the ransom then you can decide what to do but the main problem here is um, and cybercrime is an industry uh, if you are a potential good customer so you paid once uh, the the chance that you have to pay it second and third time is really high because they like good customers. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point because you, know, you need to take into consideration that, that, that there might be more than one incident. So that is interesting. And um, to, to go more into the agenda of EIC, I found that there's a, a, an ongoing topic that really uh, comes up in several talks already and that is also something that I will talk about tomorrow. Um, and this is the topic of multi-cloud, multi-hybrid, moving away from just having on-premises plus cloud, but getting to a much more complex, much more um, yeah, interwoven infrastructure between on-prem, VMware, um, cloud as a service, IAS, PaaS, so infrastructure and platform as a service, and software as a service, combined with different types of, of ways of people working, so DevOps and traditional applications. Um, and I think Martin did a very great keynote about that, to, to how to get a grip on how to deal with this. Um, what was your, um, yeah, what is your, are, are your thoughts about this, this topic and about Martin's keynote? Uh, yes, Martin's keynote was really great. Uh, he shared some new insights, some new concepts, three of them. And uh, to the audience, I guess they are already available for you in the live stream. Or uh, Martin also announced that he will create several blog posts about that topic. Um, but it's, it's really an interesting one. And uh, also in the ransomware workshop, we had some discussions about the cloud, the multi-cloud, the hybrid environment. Because, um, and that is, that is a good statement from his presentations, um, the guys who operate systems, so if you have um, so, um, infrastructure as code and uh, operational guys are not people who implement code and then there is a chance or a high chance that there is potentially an, an error in the source code and then you open again another hole uh, or another attack surface that you wanted to fix with, with some of these approaches and at the end 
um, you run an, on agile systems, on cloud systems, um, you have containers, serverless APIs and all that stuff combined in a really, really complex world combined with your on-premise stuff. And that's, this is really a challenging thing to handle. Exactly, and I think w w what really can help in, 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 in getting to a, a proper solution is something that Martin has been propagating for years now and it's coming more and more um, to, the, to the center of the stage. This is policy, uh, defining policies and enforcing policies at every aspect of, of your infrastructure from, from access to how infrastructure is created when it is code mm -hmm. Um, so that it's not hand-coded, but it follows rules designed by and defined by policies. And that is really something that is a, a common pattern through all of these uh, three um, um, yeah, paradigms that he presented in his keynote. Um, so um, automation policies at the core, not having to deal with complexity by adding complexity, but by adding simplicity and a concept and a plan and to operate on that. Um, I think we should not go into much more detail because we have this presentation on tape. So we really recommend um, re-watching that um, keynote, re-reading the blog posts that are um, covering these three uh, paradigms called basis, called Zodas, called Dream. Um, so these three levels, and I want just to hint you to go to the website and just download or watch this presentation online. It's really worth it and it's thought-provoking. Um, I want to talk about one more topic that I really found interesting yesterday. There was a presentation um, which actually was giving insight into a project that just started for the first time, so we're really flattered that the team behind that uh, did their first presentation here at EIC. It's a project that's entitled GAIN, and I have to read it out, not to make any mistake. It's the Global Assured Identity Network. And I also can only hint at that. The presentation will be online, and there will be a, a panel also tomorrow, which will have a closer look at, the, at this topic. So if you are interested, and when this episode is out, then the panel will be available as well. So there's more material. Of course, I will give a hint to the, to the website of them. The idea is that they want to finally make these assured identities available for everybody of us at scale. And at scale means globally. So, so that's the reason, global assured identity network. The idea is that you have trusted partners, trusted authorities that can provide assured identities because they have to do that anyway. And their idea was to start with financial services organizations, with banks, who have to do identity vetting, have to make sure that they do proper identification of their users before they let them authenticate. So they're doing that for themselves, and they said that as a quote, because that's where the money is. They have to do it. It's a costly process, but they have to do it anyway. And the idea is now to share this identity information, this trust in a global network, and to distribute that for a, a, at a global scale to allow services that build upon that. So once you're registered with your bank, with your insurance, with your, with your state by having an EIDAS um, um, passport, or with your telco because you have an assured telephone number and you're using that for payment, then you have a, achieved a level of trust that can be shared with others. And so that makes um, it possible that this network of, of institutions, of identity information provider, 
um, really share this information. So once I've registered with one of these parties and I agree to have my information shared, I can much easier access services. And on the other hand, the service providers, um, so providers in parties in, in, in talkings of IAM, they can use these assured identities on a global scale. So it's much easier to onboard users because they are already trusted, because they have been vetted. And um, it's, it's much less likely that you have these drop-off rates during registration on a website because you don't have to type in username, password, and authenticate and get a confirmation mail and send that back and have this, all, all these types of uh, authentication in place because you do have already a trusted, um, a verified identity and that is shared across these networks. And this is really an, an interesting thing. They, they cover many aspects. They cover the technology, they cover the organization, they cover the legal regulatory part and give, and give very strong hints. And the really good thing is they are already implementing. So parties, banks, especially banks, insurances, but generally everybody who has a kind of uh, assured level of authentication and identification for their identities, they are really calling for them to participate, to register, to take part in this network of identity information providers to get to a global network. And I think this is really an interesting approach. I, I'm really looking forward to, first of all, having seen that first here and to, having s to see that in the future in action. What's your opinion on that? Uh, that really sounds interesting. I honestly was not able to join the session, uh, but I will watch the recording. And uh, in general, the concept of having something like that, I mean, that's the solution for many problems we have. And uh, so I like it. Absolutely. And if you, if you look at the paper, and I have to read out, um, I, will, I will add the, um, the, the URL behind that uh, quickly. Um, I, I just have to find out. But there's a paper behind that, a white paper of, say, 20 pages. And they have 150 authors who contributed to that document. And that reads like a who is who of these um, of, of yep. the of identity identity people of identity leaders from OpenID Connect uh, or, for, or from the OpenID Foundation and across many other um, institutions that are continuously contributing standards and interoperability frameworks and that is really something that is not coming from somewhere this is really yeah the who is who of the identity scene that have contributed for this 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 project and I think that is really a good starting point. So for me, it sounds also a little bit like the old, or not old idea, the idea of having something like a certification authority. Uh, if we talk about traditional certificates, uh, you have some root certification authorities which uh, sign certificates for se separate branches or departments for um, devices and things like that. And then you are able to define sub certificate authorities which are allowing others to sign them too. And that's a cool concept, I guess. Absolutely. And actually, this, this game organization in the middle, like a spider in the mm. web, is connecting things, but they do not store any kind of data, not a single bit of information on the identities. They just know where to direct them and how to exchange data. But the exchange will always happen between the identity information providers and net not um, um, through gain being the then, of course, the bottleneck. They are not. 
they are just making sure that the right connection is made. Did they also share um, ideas of how to revoke such an uh, s uh, uh, verified identity? Absolutely. There's a complete lifecycle concept behind that and um, also how to deal with more than one identity. You could be registered with your bank, your state and your telco. Uh, then you have three accounts, how to deal with that, and that's... that's okay, because uh, w when talking about certification authorities, th this is a popular topic because uh, there are different types of certificates and uh, some of them can be revoked, but you as the one who checks it must uh, check the URL whether it's still valid or not, so that's a different con or a complex concept here. Abso absolutely, and actually they recommended at the end of their talk to read this 20-page document <laughs> and it's really readable, it's not a technical document, it, it has lots of suggestions how, how to build a business model on that, how, how to benefit from that, how to reduce fraud, how to provide secure identities for the underbanked communities around the world, so in not so developed uh, areas of the world. This could help there as well, so they are providing very different angles um, to, to look at this topic and that's really interesting. And, and I've read these 20 pages um, from, from yesterday to today, and this is the wisdom that I have as of now, so reading this white paper, uh, there's much more information around, and for those who are interested in contributing, I really highly recommend going there, and I found out the URL, it's gainforum.org, so G-A-I-N forum.org, just one word, gainforum, and there you can immediately find the white paper that I just read, and I highly recommend that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the panel happening soon with four of the key authors of these 150 authors. Final comment from, you from your side regarding EIC going on now? Uh, the, the final statement is it's a cool concept with a hybrid environment. And uh, probably you will listen to this recording here after the ESC, but I think it's a good idea to share uh, our next event in November. It's the CSLS, the Cybersecurity Summit, Leadership Summit in Berlin, and uh, we will do it in a similar format. So it's really cool. It's worth to be on-site, and it's also worth to, be to join online. Absolutely. So if you are not able to, to join us on-site, please join us online, but if you can, on-site is fine. It's really, it's really fun, and uh, thank you for watching this podcast episode. Thank you, Christopher, for being my guest today, and I'm looking forward to talking to you soon, maybe again via video, but <laughs> nevertheless, uh, we will continue this conversation. Thank you very much, Christopher. Thank you, Matthias. Bye-bye.